Good morning. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, from verse 1 to 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in the comfort. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed, beyond our strength, so that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such terrible death, and he will deliver us. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us again. While you join in helping us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. Well, it's great to be with you this morning as we start this new series. And as I was thinking about the kind of series that I'd love to start, I was thinking it'd be great if we could sort of come towards some great vision together and, and rally our strength and march forward as faithful saints, you know, shine like stars. Maybe we could do Philippians. But that would have been great. But the last two years has made something that's always been true far more evident. We are weak. And even our strength to control things like we'd like to is weak. <laughs> things have sort of been made very evident to us in ways that we dared not imagine. How, how have you fared these last two years? I know some of you will be like, should be right, Matt, it's all good. Uh, some of you will be anxious and more so. I remember uh, watching rerun of uh, Friends with my wife during the first lockdown. And, you know, just as we all came to terms with, you know, isolation, masks, all that kind of stuff, I remember there was a, there was a scene where, where, the, where they were coming into the, their house and they were hugging and kissing. I was like, oi. Um, I realised in that moment that I'd become anxious about the very prospect of being close with people. Maybe you're despairing that there is very real pressure upon you and that is wearing you down. Or perhaps depressed. Or, or maybe you're completely unscathed. And there's a few of you, there's less and less these days, but praise God if you have made this through unscathed. But to each and every single one of you, grace to you 
and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What would it look like if every one of us, from our very real experiences, were able to say this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Could you imagine what that would look like? Now, it's a bit early in my preaching attack to sort of to confess from the pulpit, but here we go. Because as, as my wife and I entered isolation with COVID, uh, we both had COVID over Christmas, having Christmas been flushed down the COVID toilet, we were heading towards New Year's Eve. We, had, we did have a little celebration uh, as we kind of looked at the next day being the day we would sort of be released back into the world and had, get to, back to packing and the removalist was booked and all that kind of stuff. And the next morning, my son tested positive. <laughs> Let me tell you, these words of blessed be the Lord, the God of comfort and peace, was far from my lips. I was, I was infuriated. I, at, at that point, the bottom fell out. I'd made it through that week. Being isolated with young children is, is a thing. But the disappointment of having to rebook our move, which now had to be another two weeks because of the availabilities of the removalists, spending another week in isolation, and he wasn't even symptomatic. <laughs> I was infuriated. And yet, the reason I want us to start in 2 Corinthians is twofold. One, in this letter, we find the most remarkable theology of how God works in us to transform us in the freedom of the Holy Spirit, being made into the image of Christ and to the glory of God the Father. And secondly, Paul opens his own heart and experiences, and reveals how it's particularly in weakness that God's strength is made perfect. After all, being made like Christ is through the cross and the resurrection. The Corinthian church were definitely feeling afflicted. Uh, if you look at verse 4, he comforts us in all our afflictions. That word affliction, also trouble, is kind of a catch-all of the human experience of suffering and brokenness and sinfulness. They are feeling the pinch here because, quite frankly, this church was off the rails. And Paul had sent a very firm letter, maybe a couple of letters, 1 Corinthians being one of them, uh, to sort of bring them back into, or into alignment with Christ. And, and that was such a firm letter that it brought them great sorrow. And they really wrestled with what was going on in their lives. Paul admits in, uh, in chapter 2 and chapter 7 about how that letter had caused them sorrow. Paul himself is going through great affliction. Did you see just how vivid a description in, in sort of verse 8 uh, and 9, how he speaks of his own suffering. Indeed, we felt like we had received the sentence of death so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raised the dead. They were overwhelmed but our context is quite different. We're not necessarily off the rails. I hope not. I'm still starting. <laughs> but our affliction is quite different. But, but what Paul holds out into that human experience is the same gospel that we need to hear. The same story of the Lord Jesus Christ at work in us by His Holy Spirit. That soothing balm that changes us from the inside. And so while our story might be different to the story of the Corinthians... Let us fix our eyes upon the same Lord Jesus Christ, that we might be filled with Him. 
the God of all comfort. That's how we're going to start. I've got three points to work through. It's an Anglican sermon, so we'll be kind of straight down the line. Uh, the God of all comfort. Let's start looking at verses 3 and 4 in a little bit more detail. Verses 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. You know, we don't have a God who stands at the finish line and says, Mike, you can do it. Come on, buddy. Nor do we have a God who kind of just has a list of rules that we have to follow, and if we do well enough, He'll be appeased. No, we have a God who has entered into the mess to console us personally with His Holy Spirit, that He might work in us and through every circumstance. We have a God who, who in Lord Jesus Christ, who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses as the letter of Hebrews says. We have a God who enters into the mess with compassion, mercy and comfort. The danger here is that when we read that word comfort, this is what we think of. We think of sort of comfort as that sort of Netflix, comfy lounge, end of a good day, feeling very content in ourselves. Now, I'm just being a little bit facetious here, but I wonder if I could dig a little bit further. How often do we pray simple prayers? And God wants to hear what's in our heart, and the simple prayers are great, but how often do we pray, God, make it smooth for me, before we pray something bigger? And I want us to lead us through what that might look like. But how often do we have this view in the back of our subconscious about what comfort looks like and what we're pursuing? God is not our butler. <laughs> God is God, who in Jesus Christ died for us so that we might have life. How does a cross bring comfort? Well, J.I. Packer in his book, Weakness is the Way, sounds a bit Mandalorian, uh, reminded me that the word comfort was chosen back as a translation word in the 16th century because it met a renewal of strength through encouragement. So I, want, I want you to sort of rewire comfort in your mind, not Netflix and leather chair, but a renewal of strength through encouragement, and encouragement being encourage. You know, that, that comfort's got grit. It's a big difference. Now, when people seek to bring comfort, encouragement, it, it struck me as I've been reflecting on this passage, that so often we're actually denying our weakness. We are so uncomfortable with weakness. You can get through this. What's that saying? It's saying, you are strong. You got this, buddy. When we say, I'm sorry that happened to you, I mean, that can be really beautiful, but it can also mean uh, a brief moment of sympathy before returning to one's own life. What, we have in, what we're being asked to do in courage is to seek comfort by acknowledging our weakness by actually being comfortable with it, by sitting in the presence of our own humanity and mortality and sinfulness and brokenness and ask God for forgiveness, ask God for His comfort, knowing that's His strength we need, not our own. Now, if the first step is simply to acknowledge our weakness, to sit in weakness, which as I confessed, I wasn't so good at, over Christmas. How might we receive this comfort? How might we receive this comfort? Check out 
verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. I love the picture, the graphic that Susan chose for us for this, this series. It, it's sort of, it's someone, it's someone really small uh, standing uh, under this enormous waterfall. You, you cannot be strong standing under that. I mean, the, the next picture would be kind of... <laughs> uh, but, but as much as our circumstances will, will flood us, Christ's comfort will also overwhelm us, and even more so. Because he himself has gone ahead of us, has not just suffered with us, but has suffered for us. And when we are suffering, when we are feeling weak, how much more might we look to Christ and say, you, you've been here, you know what this is like, and, and, and why did you do this for me? Who am I that you would suffer for me, that you would leave the glories of heaven? To, to be in my world, in my brokenness, and take that on all the way to the cross. And as we're meditating on what it looks like for Jesus, we think of how he was hungry. We think of how he was rejected, how he was hated, beaten, and ultimately died on a cross, not just a physical torture instrument, but suffered the wrath of God. Our judgment taken upon himself willingly. Why would you do that, God? The answer is because for God so loved the world. And as much as he suffered, he was comforted. Think of that time where he was fasting 40 days in the desert and then how he was ministered to by angels. Or, or how a prostitute poured perfume upon his feet. Or, or how he was strengthened in prayer to do God's will. Or how he was transfigured in glory. And how ultimately he rose from the dead with the power of the same life-giving spirit that's given to us. Friends, let us look to Jesus Christ. Let us look to his sufferings, his weakness. But also look to his way he was comforted. The way that God worked through him, vindicated him. And as we look to our Lord Jesus Christ in both these ways, may we know him more and more. And Paul wants us to know Christ more. Look at how he puts it in verse 9. Indeed, we felt like we'd received the sentence of death so that we would not trust in ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised the dead. I love how Paul puts this in Philippians where he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, the power of his resurrection. That sounds great. But then he goes on, and participation in his sufferings. Wow. I want to know the power of the resurrection and I want to participate in his sufferings. It sounds a little macabre in a way, but he's saying, I want to know Christ more. Do you want to know what God's like? Keep living for him in faith. Take up every moment of affliction, of weakness. And say to yourself, I want to know the power of Christ in me. I want to know his sufferings for me. I want to be bound up with him. Because as I'm bound up with him, the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead will work great things and glorious things in you. 
But don't just think comfort again in that simple term. Sometimes the route that God takes us on glory is through the cross, and it's not what we expect. In my own experiences, I've seen the way God has delivered me from various things, but, but often, so often, that delivery hasn't meant kind of the outcome that I had in mind and been praying towards. It, it meant something else completely. And as I kind of go down this path, I'm looking, wow, God, you really saved me from a bunch of things that I don't even know about. But there's other times where, where, where I, I haven't been delivered, and I'm still waiting for those prayers to be answered. And yet, through those things... He has helped me grow and know Christ more and more. I heard from a pastor a while back who was attending a prayer meeting in China, an underground church prayer meeting, and uh, they were two hours into their prayer meeting. uh, And and, and a foreigner stood up in this prayer meeting and, and prayed, God, take away the oppression from the government that your church might flourish. And at that moment, the senior minister stands up and stops the prayer meeting. Whew, awkward. He said, we've never prayed that prayer. We've never prayed that God would take away our suffering because we've seen the fruit of God's refining fire in His church, which was now spreading like wildfire. And it's brought them closer to God. Instead, He encouraged them to pray that they would be strengthened in Christ and comforted in their suffering. Do you see the difference? Don't just take this away from me, God. Don't make it just all nice and easy, Father, but would you comfort me? And would you help me trust you? I mean, don't we see that in Jesus Christ, His own lips, just before He goes to the cross? Oh, Father, take this away from me, but not your will, not my will, but yours. Friends, in our affliction, in our weakness, would we pray that we would be strengthened and encouraged? Would we pray that we would know Christ more? Would we pray for God's glory to be manifest in us? Do you see the richness of these kind of prayers and the opportunity? This kind of opportunity does not exist outside of Christ. This world that is suffering does not know this way. It only knows Make it all better. And damn well, I'll work hard to get there. (laughs) And let me just touch a little bit here on prayer and deliverance because uh, Paul does pray, if you notice, he says, uh, verse 10, he has delivered us from such a terrible death and he will deliver us. Look at the confidence he puts in the delivery. And we're talking circumstantial delivery here. We don't know exactly the full afflictions he's talking about in Asia. Uh, it could have been in Ephesus. Um, it could have been some of the riots and beatings he flogged, uh, he got. But, but, he's, but he was suffering greatly, overwhelmed to the point of death. Uh, but he said, God has delivered us and he will deliver us again. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us while you join in helping us by your prayers. There is such confidence here that God will deliver them in their circumstances. And so I want to touch on this because uh, sometimes, we, uh, sometimes that confidence uh, can end up in strange places. For instance, w- when you're not delivered, you might think to yourself, well, I didn't have enough faith. I've been told that by, by people uh, who are praying over me, oh, well, you haven't had enough faith, brother. That's, that's not where Paul's going here. Paul has great confidence in Christ working great things because God didn't raise Jesus in, in a, just a spiritual sense or in a vacuum. God raised Jesus from the dead in, in history, in real life. 
And, and it gives us confidence that God really is at work in our circumstances. And so we can have confidence as we pray, God, I know you're hearing me. I know you're caring for me. I'm going to dare have confidence that you're going to answer this in your grace. But it doesn't always end up, as I've said, like we'd expect. What the confidence we can ultimately have is that all things will be restored, that all things will be reconciled under Christ. And those who have faith in Jesus Christ will be raised in glory to be with Him. That, that is the promise that we can hang on with everything we got. We can bank on that. Uh, but, but within that kind of full-orbed gospel promise, we're kind of praying about our, our circumstances in smaller ways. And we might not know how exactly that's going to work out, but we know ultimately that Christ has the victory. So that means as we pray, pray with confidence in that big orbed kind of gospel promise that we have, praying that God would work in, in these smaller ways as well, but knowing that sometimes that thorn is going to stay in us. I don't know if you came to my commissioning on Thursday night, but my good friend and, and colleague from Newtown preached on uh, 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul says, uh, I asked three times for the thorn in my flesh, a real circumstantial problem in his life, a thorn in my flesh, take it away, God. But instead, God said something more profound, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient in you, for in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. So friends, as we pray in confidence that God would deliver us, do pray in confidence but know that, above all, God's grace is sufficient and that He will ultimately perfect all things and we might just have to wait a little longer. <laughs> that's hard, but that's part of taking up our weakness in Christ. Friends, as we think about applying this into our life together, living, living out what it means to be weak and yet made strong in Christ, it profoundly changes the way we do life together. I've already made reference to, to, to the world that does not know Jesus, does not have this root, does not have this course laid out before them, does not have Christ in them. So what does it look like that we might have something so precious and profound and yet so often under-realized? Verse 4, which I kind of only read the first part of, if you go back to it, he says, uh, Paul says, He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves have received. Do you see how this overflows? So the Christ's comfort in us overflows to others. There's a picture of an oxygen mask on the screen. It was reminded by Tim Keller as he was reflecting on uh, what it looks like to, to minister uh, through crisis. He was reflecting on, on 9-11, but now also applying it to COVID. He, said, he, was, he used this analogy when, when flying, and he flies a lot more than I do, uh, and uh, he, he reminds us that, that kind of that well-known picture of when, you, when you're on a plane and the flight attendant says, uh, in case of emergency, and you're sort of, you're not really listening at this point, hey, that'd be fine. Uh, in case of emergency, oxygen masks will come down, put it on your own mouth first, receive oxygen, then help others. That goes against kind of our intuition. We want to help other people first, but how long will you last being able to help others if you're not on oxygen yourself? And I think that's a beautiful illustration. Friends, we are two years into significant challenges. 
you will not be able to persevere in your own strength to start with, but be able to continue holding out God's love if you are not on that same oxygen. (laughs) Friends, we need to be first filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, with God's strength in us, so that we might be able to hold out something real, not just something we heard about, but something that we've experienced. We've been asked to, to enter into the comfort offered by God, that strength of encouragement, so that we might be able to hold out to others. While we were in lockdown, a friend uh, knocked on the door and, uh, and, and on the other side as we opened the door, he was holding two boxes of like super fancy donuts. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I spoke about donuts last week. This might be the end of donuts for a little while. But uh, I, w- I was richly encouraged by, by said donuts for five minutes until I entered a sugar coma, like just straight up. I was just so excited. Uh, now, that's, that's, that, that, was inc- that, was, that was comforting in a way. But, but what makes that relationship particularly special for me is not donuts. That's the, the icing on the cake, excuse the pun. But what's underneath that is that same person has reached out to me many times. He said to me, Mike, how are you going? That's the first question. We'll talk about sort of some of the things that are happening. He asked me, how are you going in your faith? Are you still holding on to Jesus? Is he still beautiful? Is there still joy in your life following Jesus? And as I open up to him, in honesty, we do real fellowship together. Friends, we do ourselves a disservice when we're not open about our lives with one another. So that we, when we open our lives with each other, we're inviting people to, to bring not just general promises, but the particular balm of Jesus Christ into our lives. We're inviting people to do fellowship with us as much as God enters into us in fellowship. What, what I see in this passage What I hope for in this church is that we're able to hold out something profound and radical and beautiful to the point where anyone else can look in and say, what have they got? How are they still joyful in this? I I know what's happening in that guy's life. I'd I'd be messed up. There's something else going on there. And they're right. There is something else going on here. It's Jesus Christ. Friends, let us be real with one another, avoiding stoicism. I'm not calling us to overshare, that's a weird thing, Um, but avoid stoicism that says kind of like, I'm all right, mate, I'm all good. Let us be real with one another, as much as Paul is real about his own struggles, that we might take time with one another, that we might share the load with one another, and that we might be able to hold out Christ. I'm not saying hold out the answers, I'm saying hold out Christ. Would you encourage them in their walk? Would you take time to express comfort to the brother who, or sister who is struggling? Or, or even to hold that forgiveness where, where the struggles that have been weighing upon us has caused kind of friction in our relationships. We will fail in these things. I cannot hold out a picture of what beautiful community should look like and hold us to account to that. We can only live this out as much as we hold on to Christ. And so as we fail, even that is a moment to embrace our weakness and to hold more beautifully onto Jesus. Let us take up our failures, our sin and our troubles as an opportunity to know Christ more and the power of his resurrection and to participate in his sufferings. Let me pray. 
Father, you are good beyond measure. We don't know why you would consider us worthy of Christ, of his suffering, of his death, and yet we are privileged to experience your love. Would you fill us in moments of great affliction and trouble where we feel like we've lost hope and faith, but you have not? Because as surely as Christ has been raised from the dead, you have given us your spirit and new life. And in moments where we're not experiencing the joy of that, would you strengthen us and encourage us by your word, your spirit, and by our brothers and sisters here. We ask this to the glory of Jesus, that we might be able to hold out him to a world who desperately needs Jesus. Amen.